everyone. The reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks again for having us, uh, for your hospitality. It's great to be here always. If you could uh, leave uh, your Bibles open to that passage, that would be great. Uh, I'm interested um, to get your reaction when you see one of these. Someone at nine o'clock this morning when I held this up just went... I know. Uh, perhaps you're um, almost 16 and the sight of this makes you feel a little nervous about having to drive. Maybe you've got one of these on your car when you drive and you still feel a little bit nervous. Maybe you've uh, got a different colour with a P on it and so relieved that it's over. Uh, maybe you're an older driver and when you see one of these on the road to Gundagai, you just think, oh, it's going to take me an extra 15 minutes to get past this person. Um, for those listening, um, if, if this is being recorded, this is an L plate on the car, so I just thought I'd say that. Um, yeah, look, uh, some of us don't like to be learners. I include myself in this. Um, you know, we don't like to be the person who doesn't know how to do things, how to drive, what's happening at work, the person who has to always keep asking questions. We want to be in control. Uh, but there are, I, I recognise, some people who just love learning. Uh, my daughter, Rebecca, is one of those. She just loves learning. She's done a, a fine arts degree and decided she'd do another one because she just loves it. And she started this year and she was worried at the start, am I going to learn anything? Because you know, she just really loves learning. Um, so learning is an important part of life. But why am I talking about being a learner? Well, to be a disciple, first and foremost, is to be a learner. That's what the word uh, actually means, disciple. It means learner. Uh, and today we're looking at one of the most famous passages, a purple passage uh, in the Bible. And this passage is about discipleship. It's about Jesus commanding his disciples to make disciples. To go and make disciples of all nations. For uh, missionaries, career missionaries like Lara and myself, uh, this is an important passage. Uh, about going out and sharing the gospel with people of other nations, which we are seeking to do. But this passage doesn't just apply to us, it applies to everyone who calls themselves Christian. Now, I recognise that this might be a scary thought for some of us. The thought to go out and make disciples. I mean, some of you, you don't want to go anywhere. You quite like it here in Wagga. Uh, I don't want to go anywhere. And I certainly uh, don't feel gifted or equipped to make disciples. And I think this is where the idea of being a learner is helpful. I've been in ministry uh, full-time as a local ministry for 
missionary for about 25 years, uh, firstly to uni students and now to refugee youth. And I've taught hundreds of people about Jesus, but there's one thing that I've learnt that's very important, in fact most important in that time, is that a disciple who makes disciples needs to be a learner. If we're going to be an effective disciple maker, we need to be learners. And we see this idea, in fact, in the Gospels itself. Like, I could give you a whole heap of verses, but here's one in particular. If you're taking notes on your outline, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Listen to what Jesus says to the, the crowds who are seeking to follow him. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, if we want to be disciples of Jesus, the kingdom, King of heaven, we need to be learners. We need to come to him and learn. And I want, to, I want to encourage you in this, I hope to encourage you, is that if we're going to be disciple makers for Jesus, we must continue to be learners. I'm going to come back to that at the end. So, as we come to this passage, I'm going to stick my L plate on. There we go, I've got my L plate on, just to remind you, because we're all learners. As we come to Matthew 28, 16, if you've got it in front of you, uh, you'll see there that the 11 disciples go up to the mountain in Galilee where Jesus tells them to go to. Now, you may have noticed that there are only 11. What happened to the 12th? Well, we know what happened to him earlier, Judas Iscariot. Uh, he's taken his own life because he betrayed Jesus. So he's out of the picture. But Jesus, he also lost his life at the hands of uh, the authorities. But he's risen from the dead. And when the 11 disciples see him on the mountain, they worshipped him. But did you notice in verse 17 that some doubted? Did you notice that? Some of them doubted. That's interesting. What were they doubting? That it was Jesus? That he'd risen from the dead? I mean, he's standing right there in front of them. Uh, that he was God in the flesh, perhaps. Now, we aren't told exactly what they were doubting, but the fact that some worshipped him, you notice that, they worshipped him, suggests that those who doubted perhaps were doubting that he was divine. Because remember, the Old Testament made it very clear that you weren't ever to worship anyone or anything other than God. So the idea of worshipping a man would have been quite foreign to, our, uh, to these Jewish men. But again, though, for three years, these disciples have been hanging out with Jesus. They've, they've seen the things that he's done. They've seen him uh, heal the sick, uh, drive out demons, uh, raise the dead. Uh, they've heard his teaching. They've seen the things that he does that fulfill prophecies that God had made long ago. Um, all of these things point to the fact that he actually was God in the flesh. And yet, Despite all that they've seen, some of them doubted. In other words, they still had things to learn. They were still working this following Jesus thing out. Now, at this point, they hadn't got the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus tells them in John that the Holy Spirit will come and will guide you into all truth. But even after they got the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were still learning things. They were still working out what this whole Christian thing meant. Take, for example, Acts chapter 10. Peter is going out to share the gospel and he, he gets a vision and, and Jesus is challenging him that he needs to share the gospel with non-Jewish people. See, even Peter had things to learn. He was working it out. And I reckon this ought to be a great encouragement to those of us here today 
who might be struggling with doubts. Whatever it might be, doubts about how to live as a Christian in this world, whether we can make disciples. It's encouraging to know, I think, that some of the first disciples had doubts themselves. And yet, despite their doubts, Jesus still commands all of them to go and make disciples. He doesn't wait until they've got it all worked out, does he? He doesn't wait till they all go off to, you know, Jerusalem Bible uh, Theological School before they get everything worked out and they've been practiced for ministry for 25 years. But no, he just says, they're doubting. He says, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. And it's not just for them, it's for us as well. This command is for us. And if you're having doubts about this, about how, how you can possibly obey this command to make disciples, I want to try and dispel those doubts, if I can, by looking briefly at five alls. Now, there, if you've got an outline in your, in your sheet of paper there, there's a list of five alls. All authority, all situations, all nations, all commands, and all ways. And then I'm going to come back to this idea of being a, a learner to finish. So that's where I'm going. That's where we're heading. So coming back to the passage, we see verse 18. Jesus comes to them on the mountain and he begins by saying this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, he goes... Now, that's a big claim. Let's just stop there for a minute. That's a huge claim, isn't it? All authority has been given to me. This is not some claim of an earthly ruler. Uh, Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, Scott Morrison couldn't say this. By saying he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, he's saying he has authority over everything and everyone. It's a huge claim. Where he gets this authority, who gives him this authority, it doesn't say, but it could only come from God, surely. Because in the Bible, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He owns it all. He's the one who gives that kind of authority. It's not something that Jesus uh, could just claim on his own. Without such authority from God, Jesus couldn't even give this command, let alone compel all of us to obey it. There's no way. Can you imagine for a moment... Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Joe Biden comes to Australia, comes to Wagga, right? And he comes and there's a town meeting and Joe Biden says, now, you know, the American accent, hey, all, this is how you all should run Wagga. What would we say to him? Thank you very much. Get back on your bike and go home. Back to DC on Air Force One, right? See you later. Thanks very much. It's just not going to happen, is it? But Jesus says... He's been given all authority. He's been given authority over all. How has he been given such power? People usually come into positions of authority and power by by winning, by being victorious, either in a war, like the kings of old, or in an election, like the modern rulers. And you win over an enemy, you you defeat an enemy, or you, you... you're a victorious over an opposition party. And the victory in that competition, in that, uh, that test, that battle, whatever you want to call it, is, is what justifies your exercise of authority. Now, Jesus has also been victorious. He has also overcome enemies. But these enemies were not just opposing him or a particular people or a nation, but all humanity. Three enemies, actually. 
Who are they? We have three enemies as human beings. This is where I get a little bit interactive, um, just to make sure that you're all with me on this. What, who are our three enemies? Does anyone know? Can anyone suggest who our three enemies are? Uh, Lucifer or the devil? Yes, the Satan. Sin, not Scott Morrison. He's not our enemy. And I don't, I, I, I'm not sort of aligned with any political party, but <laughs> it's pretty sad that the, the first name that comes after sin and Satan is Scott Morrison. Anyway, it's terrible. Uh, sin, the devil, and what else? Well, ourselves is our sin, yes. The world, thank you very much. Um, the world, the flesh, and the devil is how it's put, okay? They're our three enemies in life. Three enemies. Jesus was victorious over all of them. He was victorious over the world, which is opposed to God. He was victorious over the flesh or sin in every human being, which turns us away from God. And he was victorious over the devil who seeks to frustrate all the plans of God. And he did this not in a show of strength or power, by winning an armed conflict, not by winning a popularity contest, a democratic election. He did it by entering the world in meekness and humility, by resisting all the temptations of the world that the devil could throw at him, by living a sinless life in obedience, total and complete obedience to God. And he did it to the point of dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world. That's how he did it. Now, that's large enough as it is, but it wouldn't have mattered at all if he hadn't have risen from the dead three days later. If he'd stayed in the grave, the flesh, the world, and the devil would have won. Because the de death is the ultimate end for those who follow the ways of this world, sin, or the ways of the devil. So it would have mattered nothing if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. We'd all still be facing death. And no hope beyond the grave if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. But here on the mountain, in Matthew 28, Jesus is standing on the mountain, human flesh, risen, breathing, victorious Lord Jesus Christ. Death no longer has a hold on him. And the great thing is, the great news of the gospel is that if we put our trust in him, we will also rise with him. Now, Matthew doesn't record this, but Jesus is about to ascend to the throne, to the right hand of the authority in heaven, to God in heaven, the ultimate place of power and authority, to put into effect God's plans to save the world. And this, friends, this is why he can say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples. This brings us to our second all. So the first all is all authority. All authority is given to Jesus. He can make this statement. Then all situations. Now it's not in the text, all situations. But I want to explain why I put that emphasis there, put that, uh, that point there. Uh, too often in discussions about this passage, the emphasis is on the going, on the go, okay? Rather than on the making of the disciples. But the emphasis in Jesus' words here is actually on making disciples. That's the main idea in this whole command. All of the other things he says, the baptizing, the teaching, uh, the going, is all explaining how we make disciples. Okay. Now the problem is, what do you think the problem is if we focus on the going 
What happens if we fo focus on the going? I'm going to ask if anyone, anyone want to have a, have a guess? What happens if we focus on the going? Yes. What about the people who stay in Wagga? Okay, it's fine for you, Cameron Blair, Lara Blair, going out into the world to share the gospel, but it doesn't mean that we, anybody else has to do it. It just gets limited to the career missionaries who go out, who go out into the world. Now, this command in verse 19, therefore go, is actually better translated as you go make disciples or in your going make your dis make disciples so jesus is about to leave them right and go up to heaven and now it's like okay guys well as you go along make disciples this is such an important task we've been given by jesus that we need to be looking to make disciples wherever we go whatever you happen to be doing wherever you're working Whatever situation you find yourselves, in all situations, as you go about life, seek to make disciples. That's what Jesus is saying here. People need to learn about Jesus. Even more, I would suggest, than they need to sleep and eat. It's so important. Why is it not a task that we seek to do every day, if we can, if God gives us opportunity? I want to encourage you in that. Uh, if this command does apply to all situations we find ourselves, where do we begin? How on earth do we begin? I want to suggest that it begins at home, with our family, with our children most particularly. In Deuteronomy 6, a great passage in the Old Testament, uh, another purple passage, God commands the Israelites on the edge of the promised land to have God's commands on their hearts. And then he says to them, impress that on your children. Talk about it when you stay at home. Talk about it when you walk along the road. Talk about it when you get up. Talk about it when you go to bed. You see, it's an everyday thing. Talk about what God has done for you. Even back in the Old Testament, God is commanding his, his people to make disciples of their children. And I, I think that applies to us as well. We need to do the same. We need to let our children come to Jesus and not hinder them. So they too can be disciples. If it, it matters to us so much, we need to impress it on our children as well. It's so important for those of us who are parents or parents-to-be that we teach our children. It begins at home. Teach them to be followers of Jesus like you are. Uh, Lara and I have tried, on the advice of very wise people, wiser people than us, to make that a priority in our day. Uh, we, were, we were encouraged when we were start, starting to have children to have a time every day where we gather together as a family and we, we, we read the Bible. We do it at dinner time. We've done it for 20, I don't know, 24 years. How old is our eldest? 24 years we've been setting aside dinner as a time when everyone comes to the table and we eat together and we read the Bible and we talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. See, we're trying to make disciples of our children. It's getting a little bit more challenging now. We have four adults who've gone off into the world, still living at home, but going off into the world and are not home as regularly. But we tried to set this pattern, uh, this, this expectation that what's most important in our everyday is, is learning about Jesus and learning what it means to follow him. I want to encourage you in that. It begins at home. And there are so many other situations, aren't there, that we find ourselves in where we have opportunity to help people learn about Jesus. Uh, work, uni, school, um, when you're 
playing sport or part of a sporting club. I found being part of a sporting club, even as a parent, uh, standing on the sideline with parents is a great opportunity to share what you've been learning at church. I went to church this week and I learned this about Jesus. I mean, that's the beginnings of a disciple-making process, helping people learn about Jesus. If you go to the club, uh, the RSL club with friends or whatever it might be, there are opportunities there. Um, Now, I want to say more about this and how to go about this briefly at the end. But let's move to uh, the third all. We're commanded to make disciples of all nations. That means we're to help people from every ethnicity. That's what the word means. And every ethnic group to learn about Jesus if the opportunity provides to us. Now, again, uh, how many ethnic groups do you think there are in the world today? Anyone want to have a guess? I know with these questions you think uh, it's either ridiculously large or really small. So it's not either. But anyway, try to go. How many do you think, how many ethnic groups do you think there are in the world? 180? Uh, up. That, that, no, that's, that's way too high. 30. No, to keep going down. 460? That's getting much closer. 650, I heard the estimate. 650 different ethnic groups around the world. Now, if this command was just for the 11 disciples, <laughs> how are 11 disciples going to reach 650 ethnic groups? They're not going to, are they? So it's got to apply to more than just the 11 disciples. Uh, we don't have to go overseas to find those ethnic groups to share Jesus with. They're already here in Australia. So my next question to you is, how many ethnic groups do you think are living in Wagga? Out of the 650, how many do you think are living in Wagga? 40. Up, higher. 150, a little lower, 118. 118 ethnic groups are living in Wagga. 20% of the world's eth- ethnic groups are living in this city right here. That's amazing, isn't it? And I think there's probably more. Because when I looked at the list, it was a 2016 list, uh, the Yazidis weren't there. And I know there are Yazidis living in Wagga now. So there could even be more. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to go overseas to reach the nations, or at least part of them. They're right here. Friends, if you believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, if you know this love that he's shown in sending his son to die for the sins of the whole world, if you know that God wants all people to be saved and he does, if you know that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for how we've lived, then surely we want to make disciples of everyone, of the nations living amongst us who need to hear about Jesus, all these precious people whom God has made in his image Surely we'd want them to learn about Jesus too. Now, if you're still not convinced this is a command for all of us, let's look at the fifth all in this passage. Uh, Jesus commands us to make disciples by baptising people in the name of the Father, Son and Spirit. Uh, That's an important thing to do. If we have opportunity, if people want to come to Christ, baptising is a really significant thing. By teaching them to obey his every command, it's literally all commands, every single one of them, where to teach people. I read this week there are 49 commands of Jesus. I was going to ask you this question too, but I thought, no, I'd start to annoy you then, wouldn't I? There are 49 commands of Jesus in the gospel. And what's the 49th command? Go and make disciples of all nations. 
Those are Jesus' final words, his final call to, to be disciples who make disciples. Now, you might think, oh, this last command, that's hard. <laughs> that's difficult to do. <laughs> what about all the other 48? Ah, forgiving people who sin against you, loving your enemies. I mean, that's hard too, yes. But I want to say, if you can just start by loving one another here at church. Let's just break down the problem here. Start by loving one another here at church. And Jesus even says, if you do that, you're showing it your disciples of his. Love one another here at church. And once we've worked on that, practice that, as we heard in the kids' talk. That's a really important thing to practice loving others here. Then we can branch out to our neighbours, the shopkeeper. You know, is there a guy at the butcher shop that you go and buy your sausages from? I mean, there's opportunity to share Jesus with him. Uh, Again, the people at the sporting clubs you're involved in. uh, Branch out, start to show kindness and generosity um, to them and love and give, you know, open your mouth and say, this is why I do these things. This is what I do. This is what I learned at church. Um, In my experience, people come to faith in Jesus not because of some profound arguments we give for the existence of God. They come to faith because of the genuine love and kindness of Christian people who've shown them kindness and love. I was talking to an Afghan believer. Um, there aren't many Afghan believers, can I say, so this is an, a, an ex- extraordinary privilege to, to speak to an Afghan believer in our, in our city of Sydney. He's come to know Jesus. How did he come to know Jesus? Because of the kindness of a Christian. <laughs> it wasn't because he heard some talk on the internet, on YouTube, because they do look. It's because he met a real live follower of Jesus who loved him and was kind to him, and that was a powerful testimony of the gospel. That's what we need to be doing, friends. Loving people, just showing them kindness. I hope you're convinced now that we need to be making disciples, uh, helping people to learn about Jesus. Now, you might still be worried about what you'll say to people. What do I say when they ask you why you're different? Or you might be worried about what they'll do when you tell them about Jesus. Well, I wanted you to take comfort from this very last all in the passage. Jesus tells his disciples, his first disciples, he will always be with them to the end of the age. Again, the original 11 disciples are no longer with us and the age has not yet ended. So Jesus is talking to all of us. I'm with you in this. When there's an opportunity to share Jesus, know that Jesus is with you. In fact, know that Jesus has gone before you. People can only come to God, to Jesus, unless God is preparing their hearts and bringing them. And so God quite often is there before you, speaking into this person's life that you want to share Jesus with, and you're just bringing the message that brings it home, if you you want to put it that way. Jesus is there with you. So, to finish, how are you going obeying all that Jesus commanded, including this command to make disciples? Again, for some of us, it might be quite daunting to think of ourselves as a disciple maker. And I want to help you with this idea by talking about, again, about being a learner. I found it very helpful. Uh, Firstly, we must continue ourselves learning about God, continue growing in our relationship with God, in how to live out his commands in the world. That's first and foremost. Because remember, we are modelling the Christian life to those who are watching us. And they're watching, friends. 
If they know you're a Christian, they're watching to see what you do, how you speak, how you act, the decisions you make, how you treat other people. So growing as a Christian, growing in our learning, learning more about God is vital for us for making disciples. Please keep reading his word, praying to him, asking God to give you wisdom to know what to say to this person, how to bring up the topic of Jesus to this person. And God can use you and he will use you if you let him. And secondly, be a learner about others, about their culture. You don't need to know everything about the worldview of the person you, sh- you want to share Jesus with. You just need to be a learner and to be ready to understand where they're coming from. Why it is that they've come here. How, how it is that they live their life. You, you'll find that as you talk to people of other cultures that even though they look and they behave very differently to us, they still have fears and uncertainties about life. They still have joys and delights. They're human beings just like us. Your willingness to engage with people, your openness to listen and to learn about them and from them will build respect and trust. And it will open up opportunities to share Jesus with people and even to make disciples. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who is uh, the Lord, the risen Lord, who has authority over all things because he rose from the dead. He conquered the world, the flesh and the devil and now reigns with you in heaven. Father, we thank you for this command. It is difficult, Father. We, we, we recognize it's hard for us to go out there. We, we are hopefully encouraged and comforted by the fact that you are with us in this, that you... Uh, the Lord Jesus, are there with us. Fathers, give us boldness and courage uh, to make disciples, to look for opportunities, to share Jesus with people. Help us, Father, to be learners, learners of you, learners of others, that we might respectfully and kindly and gently share the hope that we have so that people can see Jesus in us and hear Jesus from us and turn to you and be your disciples as well. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.